show. Comic Book Flagship. Just, but it's like I always like doing it when you do the transition, so that it starts off with the comic book logic theme, and then it goes uh-huh. into the theme of the movie. But I like right. the end theme so much more yeah. than I like the actual theme of Iron Man three. Yeah, oh, that God. was the most fun. It was like the really was that part. It was really aside from all the other uh, Lethal Weapon references. It was the only really fun part of the movie. <laughs> Shane Black brought you know you bring Shane Black in to direct your movie. <laughs> uh, you don't do that if you don't want a bunch of Lethal, lethal Weapon, Weapon references. references. Anyway, hey everyone, welcome to Comic Book Logic. Yay! Uh, Episode Iron Man Three Stream. <laughs> Thre- three stream? stream? Three Extremist. Extremist. There we go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, Extremist. Toi. <laughs> Amen, toi. <laughs> um, I'm your host, Joe, and with me, as always, is my co host, Kevin. Toi. Uh, so today, yes, as as you know, we're going over Iron Man three, the first of MCU's Phase two. Yeah, yeah. So because we Phase one was all the what the eighteen movies that we've already seen, including Superman nineteen seventy eight. Superman was actually a, a part. Yes, they were laying the groundwork for a long time ago. <laughs> and then we, uh, uh, it ended with with the Avengers, and so now we're in. Of the post Avengers world of Iron Man three, yeah, um, very interesting movie. I can't wait to actually like break it down because we didn't talk too much while we we, we just watched it. Yeah, so. we just watched it, and full disclosure, um, this was the first of the Marvel movies, uh, the only Marvel movie, um, so far that's been released that I had not seen. Yeah, you, I didn't know that Kevin had not seen this before. We actually started watching it, and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Because I know we went and saw uh, The Dark World together. Yes. <laughs> or or we will do that. Oh, yeah. When we get to that, that movie. One, yeah. I gotta, you know. No, no, no. We saw it. Uh... <laughs> we saw Doctor Who was in it. It was a whole thing. <laughs> um, so let's start off this podcast as we start off all of our podcasts. What did you know about... Iron Man Extremists? <laughs> Extremist edition? Uh, no, I I only put it that way because the it's we're getting to that territory where it's kind of I can't it's kind of redundant. It's all just sequels. Yeah, until we get to to maybe future stuff that, yeah. that Marvel will do that isn't yeah. a sequel. Well, when we hit three, it's a little difficult. Um, so I'm just going to give you a little background on some of the comic book influences. But of- I can say that I had never heard. I had no idea what the Mandarin was. Didn't you- know anything about that uh, character. Come on, do it. Do it right now. Make your orange joke. I will not. I will wait until it's a nice organic moment. It was like six times throughout the movie. It was like like every. <laughs> it was like timed, like every six minutes. It was a different Mandarin reference. Yeah. Um. But there was some so some some of the characters. Um. The Mandarin actually. This movie is based particularly off an Iron Man arc from two thousand five two thousand six called Iron Man Extremis. Extremis Extremis. I don't remember what they actually call it. Like, yeah. it's extremists, 
because it's extreme, but I like calling it extremist because it has to regrow people's extremities. Yeah. So that's why I was always calling it extremist. I don't know why. Sure. But it was based off that arc. It's not complete. There's some of the characters are there. Uh, uh, Killian, uh, Eldritch Killian, I think. Is, uh, Aldrich Killian. Yeah. Um, Guy Pierce. Guy, yes, Guy Pierce is in it. Guy um, Pierce and Guy Pierce's gorgeous blonde mane. Oh God! And so I said he he has the wig that like uh, Tony Storm. Uh, well, he, he has the wig of a coke dealer from an episode of Miami Vice. That was that right. was that was what I was. A lot of coke references in this movie while we were watching it. Um, but uh, Aldrich Killian, yes, so I said it right. And also, uh, Doctor Maya Hansen is in that as well. That's where they. I, th- I believe both of them made their debuts. I could be a hundred. I could be like completely wrong on that one. But we also have the Mandarin, who is um, the in the comic books. He's the leader of a mysterious cult called the Cult of the Ten Rings, which is also what you see in the movie. You see the, the rings all linked mm-hmm. together numerous times. His sort of his logo. Not his like bumper. I'm not going to get too much into it because I don't want to spoil it for our audience, but it's not very much like what we saw in the movie. No. No. In actual, he's a giant um, stereotype on the level of Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, <laughs> of, of Mickey Rooney's. Mickey Rooney uh, and, yeah. Legendary Asian impression, impersonation. Full on Fu Manchu mustache, giant Fault, hat. False buck teeth. Yeah. Kind of like. Um, Oh, what's the you you know what I'm he talking? He never did say that uh, he was so solly to, uh, oh, to Iron Man though. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's very much like he's designed to be uh, Doctor Fu Manchu, essentially. You know the, the old pulp yeah. movie character, um, Doctor Fu Manchu, but in the comic book, so he's given the name of the Mandarin. Do you do you say Mandarin or Mandarin? Uh, I, I I would say Mandarin. I they say Mandarin. I know. I always said Mandarin. I don't know why. I don't know. That sounds kind of like a like a like a like I a am, Stargate thing. I am Mandar. The Mandarin forces. Are... Yeah, they're like the Mandarin Nebula that yeah. we're going to. Yeah, I get that. But yeah, so <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. The Mandarin would have been the only one that you might have had any idea about beforehand. But yes, they. The reason I bring it up is because now in the comic in the MCU, um, jumping the timeline a little bit, they're starting to have all of their movies subtitled. So you have like Captain America, right. the Winter Soldier, um, and Thor, the, the Dark, Dark World. World and... A lot of these are taking their names from comic book arcs, um, and their stories from comic book arcs as from before. So now they're doing that with Iron Man. Iron Man pulled a lot of this from the comic book uh, miniseries Extremis, and it's actually kind of funny because I've always uh, Pat B of Pat's Retro Video Game Reviews and the Plan Podcast loves Iron Man movies. He loves Iron Man video games, but he. He always like, oh, what comic book should I read to really get to know Iron Man? I'm like, there, there is no good Iron Man comic book story arc. Um, Ouch. I, there's about like two that I could think of off the top of my head, and one would be uh, Iron Man Extremis. It, it's actually a pretty good arc, but it doesn't have a lot to do with the movie. It's just very well written. Warren Ellis did it, um, which actually is part of the reason why we have President Ellis in this movie. Ah.
All right, so um, we're gonna we recap just, this bitch. We gotta recap this bitch. Uh, kind of a this is the the second at the time this it was the long second movie. longest of the Marvel MCU movies. Um, not <laughs> let's okay. So I gotta go back to the beginning of my notes right here. <laughs> All the I, I it was it, I feel, it was like four hours ago the movie started. Yes. All right, so the movie wait flashback nineteen ninety nine. So it we go we're in Bern, Switzerland in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Tony Stark not looking anything like um Robert Downey Jr. did in nineteen ninety-nine. Thankfully. Thank God. Um is at a party with a bunch of scientists. He meets up with a a certain Middle Eastern scientist from Arabistan, who who we met in the first movie, uh, along with uh, Dr. Aldrich Killian and Dr. Maya uh, Hansen, who are at this party as well. And it's like, who are these people? Why are they important? Oh, I hope we find out later no, on. I'm sure we will. Yes, Guy Pierce wearing his best Quasimodo makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy, weird teeth. Yeah. And, yeah, just weird yeah. hair. I think Tony at one point turns to Maya and says, weren't you in a movie with uh, the Black Widow at one point? Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun little movie you did there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, if, you hadn't, if you haven't seen Vicky Christina Barcelona, it's a very good movie. Yeah. Probably one of Woody Allen's best. Sure. Of his modern pieces, mm-hmm. at least. Uh, so Maya's working on uh, something that, like, that's going to regrow biology, regrow cells. Uh, she experiments on her fern. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, Happy Hogan doing his best Vincent Vega impression. Favreau's enormous weird hair that he apparently had in 1999, just planning for the end times. But he didn't. We've seen him in 1999. He was doing swingers at that point. No, no, no. This was him getting ready for Y2K. He knew it was all going to end. I, I just, uh, he was wearing planes Vince- were going to be dropping out of the sky. <laughs> These were our concerns back then. Uh, he touches her ficus and it explodes. <laughs> Where we learned a lot that, of innuendo there. Yeah. <laughs> what what really happened? No, wait. He touched a plant and the plant, the thing fell off. No, he didn't touch her ficus and she didn't explode. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. This is a this is a PG movie. Yeah, PG movie. <laughs> is it PG? It might be PG thirteen. Yeah, I assume. I but then, uh, flash to modern day, and we learn that there's a terrorist organization. That is terrorizing America. Do I mean, terrorists, that's what terrorists would yeah. do. Yeah. 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 Hijacking the 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 feed whenever he wants to post his videos because a he hasn't heard of the internet, uh, and b everything is being inspired by uh, I don't know just weird like eighties urban legends of I it was like it was like something out of like uh, like a, a Oliver Stone like. Like natural I'm a born disappointed killers. that nobody made any Max Headroom references. Yeah, well, I, I know. Well. I, we're actually going to get to that a little bit Ooh. later. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, there was like a Max Headroom style thing going on there. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. But yeah, he's he's taking over the airwaves and saying, you know, like we're all going to be. He's doing like a weird Jodie Foster impression, the, yeah. the Mandarin, as as played by Sir Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley. Yeah, he's, he's talking like this throughout the entire thing. <laughs> Fortune cookies aren't even Chinese. Chinese. Dr. Lecter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
He's claiming responsibility for random explosions that are happening. Yeah. Um, but, however, at this time, uh, Tony Stark is suffering from PTSD in relation to what happened in, in New York in, in the yes. Avengers after he landed, after he went through a wormhole and went came back. Went through a wormhole, blew up a, all the aliens. The alien space bombs, whales. The alien yeah. space whales, and then he fell back down. Yeah, and now he's suffering from PTSD. He's given up control of Stark Industries, and Pepper Potts is in control. And as she's in control, she meets with a very handsome guy, Pierce. Oh, yeah, he, he's all better now. Yeah, his, his teeth are straight. Yeah. His, yes. He definitely, that definitely <laughs> needed science. <laughs> he did. He had a you, hunchback. You can't get a... <laughs> no. You can't get your teeth fixed or your haircuts <laughs> or contact lenses uh, without something really devious going on behind the scenes. It's true. You, that should have been her first thing. But Happy Hogan, who is now her, um, I guess, like her chief of security or something and Security like slash... Like, personal bodyguard, yeah. professional beefcake. Yeah. I wish I could hire Favreau as my personal beefcake. <laughs> you can. Uh, he <laughs> hangs out right over here. He, it's, he hangs just, out in Chicago. Yeah, you just got to go to Addison and you're yeah. you know, the he's street, a, not the town. But Right. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's there eating a, eating a Polish. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he's a Southside fan. He's not a Cubs fan, so I should, I should watch what I say. He's probably not on Addison, no. No. Uh, <laughs> so... He, so he sees he sees Aldrich talking to Pepper and he phones it into Tony and Tony tells him to uh, to tail him and figure out what's going on. And so Happy follows his like bodyguard, the guy that shows up with him, who kind of looks like the guy from Terra Nova, but it's not the guy from Terra Nova. No. Um, to a corner and he finds it's a- sort of a Jason Statham thing going yeah, on, but like, not quite. Yeah, he's got that the the Statham swagger. It does a little bit and the baldness and the baldness. He, 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 actually, uh, Jason Statham just kind of shot himself in the foot when it came to the Marvel Universe. We could talk about that later. Uh, but then, so, uh, Happy follows him to this, this, like a drug drop off is going on there with this, uh, with this guy who's like, I need a fix. I need a fix. Yeah. Clearly a vet. Cause of course he's he got, got the, they zoom in on his dog tags. Yeah, of course. And then, uh, as happy confronts the whole situation the guy explodes sure that's he turns into lava and explodes that's what i wish i could do whenever i'm in an uncomfortable situation (laughs) hey what are you doing um (laughs) personal space (laughs) uh that which puts happy into a coma we get a nice little scene in the hospital where tony stark goes to visit happy and puts on downton abbey because that's happy's favorite show sure it's everyone's favorite show. That didn't even need explanation. Yeah. But of course, meanwhile, we've we've got to talk about that that Tony has been experimenting with his suits and he can now oh, sort of remote control his suits yeah. piece by piece to sort of come to him. Yes. Come to me my suits. He's, yeah, that he was... injects a thing in him and then it makes it, you know, using the 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 world's strongest fucking Wi-Fi signals. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about that, how we can't go, like, five feet in our house without dropping Wi-Fi on our iPad, but yet... Yeah, he can, and he can, yeah, he can get something to come to him 800 miles. You know what? He trusts the cloud. I don't. That's the reason. I, I have a feeling it has something to do it? with Is the cloud. Is that all that stuff up, uploaded into iCloud? Yeah. All the Iron Man suits? <laughs> exactly. They're all backed up on iCloud, and uh, they're going to get hacked. Yeah, and this is part of the problem, because Tony is sleeping and having his nightmares, his night, his night terrors. Yeah. And uh, the Iron Man suit comes to his aid and almost kills Pepper Potts. 
<laughs> Unless that's what it was programmed to do. Like she's really into choking. Like yo, yeah. She's just like not now. Safe that word is banana. The, the safe was... word is banana. <laughs> that was the sex bot Iron Man. <laughs> the Mark sixty nine. <laughs> uh, so Pepper gets all upset about it with no with no like hint of worry for Tony, who's obviously suffering like from like severe PTSD. She's like, no, nope, this is all about me right now, guys. <laughs> That robot thing really bummed me out. <laughs> I'ma leave. I'ma leave. I'm out. Smoke bomb. Uh however, uh as as back to the hospital scene, Tony's leaving and he's confronted by the press and he says, This is the Mandar the Mandarin, he's gonna be you know, I'm coming um, after this is yeah. my you could come after me, this is where I live and he yeah, gives, gives him his address. Which you're never supposed to do. I mean, you just don't want that. I mean, it's probably you know, people know. Yeah, probably like, what his address how, how, is. How, how do people not already know what? I mean, they may not know the actual street address, but like they can probably Google his house. <laughs> like you find it, Tony Stark's house. Yeah, like I don't org. know any. Well, like I don't know any. Like he's on Star Tours, I'm sure. Oh, like yeah. at some point, you know, it's none of this is like secret. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's like. If I was really interested, I could find out where George Clooney's house is, but... Right. Yeah, I'm sure it's out there. Yeah, I like, don't I care. Could, I could find his Lake Como villa if I need to, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he probably's not there anymore because he got married. Uh, meanwhile, uh, as the press is assaulting uh, Casa del Stark, Dr. Maya comes back, and she's, yeah. you know, she's like, uh, it's, it's, this whole thing's going on there. We can help fix extremists, you know, all of this stuff. And Tony's like, okay. Meanwhile, rocket helicopters just blow up his place. Yeah. The helicopters show up because that's what happens. This yeah. is why, this is why celebrities aren't supposed to give their, no. their addresses out. No. You don't want that. I don't even give out my last name. This is because you never know when assault helicopters are coming. Because that's, that's the, that's the world we live in. That is a very real concern in a in a in a post avengers yeah. world thanks you obama can't, <laughs> you can't trust yeah you can't trust the tech helicopters so that they basically blow up his his uh his his house leaving pepper and uh maya to have to run away meanwhile tony is being crushed under his house underwater and everything like that jarvis takes over and blasts him off to tennessee his last programmed location uh, he was going Tennessee. to Tennessee to look out Tennessee. to find other explosion sites, kind of like the one that hit hit Happy. Yeah. So he's because he's trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. All the all the CSI detective work that was going on, I was like, I don't, it's, it's, I don't care. It's well, fine. yeah. It's, well, none yeah. of it made any sense to me. It was like, I trust that you're gonna you're figuring it out. Yeah, because he's like, show me on the map where the thermal events happen. He lost me at Celsius when he started <laughs> yeah. talking about it. Talking that stupid European way of measuring crap. Yeah, I don't know what that means. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what Celsius means. <laughs> Something with the way water boils. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not made of water. Um, <laughs> so he's in Tennessee where he befriends the the small artis- autistic kid from Jurassic Park, from Jurassic <laughs> World. Uh <laughs> Who takes him to his garage? And precocious little kid with no southern accent. I didn't. I never trusted him. Did no, not I didn't trust either. Him. I never trust a person from Tennessee without a southern accent. That's yeah. what I always say. That's messed up. Yeah. I mean, I've been to Dollywood. I know it's a great place. I'd go. I recommend that place and uh, the Grand <laughs> the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah, been there several times. Uh, no, I've only been there once. I performed on the Grand Ole Opry once. Little known fact about me. Really? <laughs> yes. Um, it was not televised. It was on the radio. 
Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. What yes. did you perform? Uh, I don't remember. It was it was with my high school choir. So. Oh. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So I've I've been to Tennessee, Nashville. Awesome. Yes. So. <laughs> so in in Tennessee, he's able to uh, fix up his suit and try and track down what happened to a pr- another soldier who blew up, and try and find out what's going on. Uh, finds the woman from My Name Is Earl in a bar. Uh, to get some paperwork, but no, he's attacked by this crazy redheaded woman who keeps on karate chopping him with lava hands. Yeah, everybody, all these different the body, the Jason Statham esque bodyguard, and so all these other people have where they get red and they lava hands. and they have lava hands and they also regenerate, as we know. I think my wife has extremists because there's like. Like in the middle of the night, I'll just like my bed feels like it's like three thousand degrees Celsius, and I'm like, yeah, that's oh, Jesus. That's all. Uh, that's all women. Yeah, lava that's, hands. That's the thing. <laughs> they got the lava hands. They also the water in the shower is always boiling. <laughs> they set that to boiling. Yeah, because that's the only way they could feel it with the lava hands. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at least tell my wife it's like it's because your heart's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're just sucking in the heat from everywhere else. So he, they have the, this fight scene in Tennessee where he, you know he's uh, fighting all around the, the small town. I, it was like it was some, it was a town that it, it. it was like Chattanooga or something like that. <laughs> I think it was. It was like some place that's got really good Wi-Fi from what I remember. Uh, so they get into the fight scene and Tony manages to escape with the file, and uh, turns out that he find uh, that Aldrich Killian is behind all of this. Yeah. Yeah, and. He's also behind the upgrade to Rhodey Rhodes, Yay. who's not War Machine anymore. He's the Iron Patriot. Iron Patriots. Which it's really sound. It should have been Steel Patriot. Steel Patriot. Actually, yeah. Steel Patriot sounds better. I- Iron Patriot does not sound right. No. <laughs> the al- Aluminium Patriot. <laughs> That's for our British listeners. The right Captain there. America bot. <laughs> Captain Robot. That would be really funny if they if it... I tested out Captain Robot. That was that's what everyone wanted me to be called. Captain so. Robot. Yeah, yeah. Seems silly, but that's what we're going with. <laughs> Marketing. It's true. Test groups went through the roof. <laughs> Only thing I ever scored higher was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um. So they, the, so Tony gets in contact with Rhodey, and he's like, uh, you know, I need to hack hack into the system because. Wait, no, he says that no one says hacking anymore, but I think they said hacking like eight thousand times in the Marvel movies. Yeah. So that Shane Black's clever writing comes back and kicks him in the ass. Yeah. He manages to break into the system, find finds AIM, which is Aldrich Killian's company, their YouTube page. It is able to watch the, all, all of it. Yeah, he accesses backstory the backstory one file. of ten. Yeah. yeah. He accesses we, all of that, gets to watch all of the relevant clips. Yeah, aim-backstory.exe. <laughs> I think that's what it was, the file that he activated. Yeah, uh, where you learn that all the people with lava hands are being injected with the extremist uh, serum, which is what caused the ficus to explode at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. So there we go. I mean, not that it's not spelled out for you throughout the entire movie. That this right, is it's what very clear it. immediately. Yeah. yeah. So then, cut to Shane Black's clever passing of the Bechdel test, where uh, Doctor Maya and Pepper Potts are in a hotel. Like sitting on a bed, like gazing lovingly into each other's eyes, yeah. discussing all of this information. Really thought that was going to go in a yeah, different direction. I did too. And they end up uh, having Aldrich Killian break into the room and like break a dude's neck, Steven yeah. Seagal style. 
Yeah. And kidnap Pepper Potts. It turns out that Maya and Aldrich were working together. Mm-hmm. Not that we didn't see that a mile and a half away. <laughs> um, as that is going on, uh, Tony finds out that uh, Pepper has been kidnapped and they get a location on the Mandarin and where he's broadcasting out of. It turns out he's broadcasting out of Miami, uh, where all scum and villainy yeah. <laughs> rest. Miami. Miami's nice. It's the only Ugh. part of Florida I actually kind of like. <laughs> I like Cuban food. I'll there. I'll say there it. There you go. Cuban no. food's amazing. It's it's that's the place to go. Well, that or Cuba. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just love the fact that they put three different types of meat and a pickle on a sandwich. That's all I ask for in my life. And they do that. They do it incredibly well. Better than Puerto Rican food, I'll tell you that. Oh, the gauntlet is thrown. If I got to eat another hiburrito, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even think that's Puerto Rican. I think it's a Chicago Puerto Rican thing, in all honesty. But there, it's in Miami, so Tony Stark puts all of his, all of his stuff. You know, He puts together a bunch of stuff that he buys at Ace Hardware to yeah. assault the, a compound. Mm-hmm. He manages exploding. to do it all Home Alone style. It's all <laughs> it's all like exploding Christmas ornaments and yeah, and and like the flamethrower on on somebody's head and yeah, it's it's all. It's... I believe he throws a spider at someone at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Controls summons all the fire ants and then they they start coming and carrying the guys away. That would be really funny if he's like he pulls out a gun and it just shoots spiders at a person. <laughs> like, oh jeez. Oh, the spider gun. This is the worst. This is the worst than the than getting shot. <laughs> okay. I prefer bullets. I would prefer a bullet right now. <laughs> Covered in spiders. <laughs> I mean they're not really that poisonous, but it's just really really weird and uncomfortable. Tony Stark is a spider gun. Jesus. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> Tony Stark, you truly are the Spider-Man. <laughs> um, so, and he finds out that, he finds the, the Mandarin, <laughs> and it turns out that the Mandarin actually isn't the Mandarin, he's an actor. Actor! Yeah. He's, he's Sir Ben Kingsley yes. as a hilarious British I think junkie. It, I think that actually was Ben Kingsley. I think that's actually that's just ben, what he's yeah, like in real yeah, life, yeah. unbeknownst to all of us. Yeah, just like needles sticking out of his arm. Yeah. I mean, he was doing like a super goofy. He was doing like a, almost like a, a Keith Richards impression. Yeah. yeah, movie takes a really weird tone turn here, like yeah. tonally, just shifts. Not yeah. just because of that, but I feel like that was when all of the quips really started. Like it, no one could speak in anything other than a like quip. a one liner. Yeah. No, you're you're. I think you're actually kind of right. Uh. So now, uh. Uh, oh, geez, I almost forgot the whole the, the whole president subplot. Oh, uh, yeah. Because uh, as Tony Stark finds out that the Mandarin is in uh, Miami, the government is sending Rhodey all around the Middle East trying to find uh, where the Mandarin, because he keeps bouncing the signal back and forth, and he's like in Kandahar and Kabul and every other mm-hmm. Arabistanian name that you can think of. Um, he ends up going to a sweatshop and... Hey, it's Rebecca Mater from Lost, and she has her two-second yeah. scene and takes him down. Uh, and they steal the suit because they send the suit up to kidnap the president. Yeah. They send the suit because the president is never on the ground in this movie. He's always in Air Force always One. Always in the air. Because this is uh, you know, President Top Gun, uh, as played by the bad guy from Die Hard 2. Yeah. Uh, as I like to say a thousand times during this movie. Yeah, yes. Yes. So they kidnap the – so it's the Jason Statham guy kidnaps the president – blows a hole in the air so now at this point um 
Tony and Rhodey are in the mansion in Miami. Uh, they took that's where they took Rhodey after they kidnapped his suit. So now they're like, we have a choice. We can either save Pepper, who's been kidnapped, or we could save the president. Yeah. <laughs> so they choose to do both, which is actually not a bad idea. It turns out they are bad enough dudes to kid <laughs> to rescue, rescue the, the president. president. <laughs> oh, I wish they made that reference. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang. So they managed to. They don't re- actually rescue the president, but they uh, they managed to save everyone on Air Force yeah. One. And at the meantime, lots of maids and stuff. But like it turns out they were taking the, the president to the same place they were taking Pepper. So yeah, that could have so, just saved him a lot of trouble. Yeah, really you know. convenient. Yeah. So it was like that whole action sequence was for nothing. All those people could have just dove into the ocean and been fine. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they go. To, it turns out that Pepper and the president are taken to an offshore oil rig, which I believe was the finale of Die Hard Part 3. Lethal Weapon 2, Lethal Weapon 3, Lethal Weapon 4. I, don't know. <laughs> I just always feel like action movies of the 90s ended on an offshore ended oil rig. Ended on an offshore oil rig, yeah. yeah. That was a big, big deal. Yeah. So, in, in, in true Lethal Weapon fashion, uh, Tony Stark and Rhodey Rhodes are walking around carrying guns, making quips at each other. Oh my gosh, yeah. Talking about how they're too old for this. Lethal Weapon, is, we watched Lethal Weapon 5. Like, I think a lot of this has been sitting on a shelf. But it was really good. It was a good... It was fun. It I was, was like, really fun. The, the most enjoyable part of the movie is when it turned into Lethal Weapon. Yeah. So they end up, uh, you know, Aldrich is like, get them, and then all of the lava people come forward. Right. And they all got jumping around they can do parkour do parkour on all these hanging things and big yeah. set piece yeah and then uh, so tony after his his house was destroyed all of his iron men's suit were trapped so he manages to free them all so there's a big climactic fight at the end where the lava people fight all the iron man suits yeah which is kind of cool yeah it was flashy it was flashy Lots but i mean happened. I, I, you gotta admit that was kind of a neat little concept that yeah. they pulled out they there. were all a little different yeah one guy had drill hands drill hands the other guy had jackhammer hands and then <laughs> one guy was blue one guy was green and there was a big sort of turtle looking guy yeah. and he did his thing so yeah. everybody and periodically you could tell so, would have to jump into a suit and, and then, then jump get out, the out of the suit out yeah. of and jump out yeah which was kind of a neat little concept i, I like the way that they did that and uh Pepper Potts in the the whole time is like on a gurney getting thrown around because she's been yeah. injected with the extremist serum and she's floating there and Tony's like give me your hand give me your hand and she falls into fire yeah <laughs> and, he's, and at that point Tony's in. like no yeah. I have to go kill Aldrich Killian and then Aldrich shows up and he's all looking at Tony like you didn't deserve her yeah I loved her. Because of things, I guess. I don't even know that it was clear that they had met before. Like, they, she says it when she go, he goes to meet her. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. That could have been shown, right? Like, mm-hmm. she wasn't at that party. No, she wasn't. So, I don't... Maybe he was talking about Happy Hogan. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Like, he was really in love with Favs. Yeah. And that was, that was all about... That could have been his yeah. trophy. <laughs> He was my trophy. <laughs> he was perfect. He was perfect. Yeah. I've made him perfect. Yeah. And then, uh, so they have a big fight scene. It was pretty cool. Like, Tony blows him up, like, four times throughout the yeah. entire movie. It's hard when you got the bad guy who is sort of invulnerable to all of that and, and regenerates. It's He's like, made of lava. Yeah. you're. What are you going to do? You're just yeah. going to have to keep trying. Yeah. Just keep blowing him up until it works. Yes. Because... 
I don't think we mentioned, but he actually has injected himself with the extremis, and that's that's how he fixes his teeth and gets nice hair. Right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> turns into Guy Pierce. Um. So so at the very end of the movie, uh, they managed to kill Aldrich, killing. Uh, uh, Pepper blows him up using Iron Man tech. Yeah, she has some jumping around powers now, too. Yeah. In the meantime, one of the greatest scenes is when Rhodey saves the president. <laughs> he shoots... The president's being strung up between two cranes. Rhodey jumps down, shoots one of the wires, grabs onto the suit, swings down through fire, yeah. shoots the other one, and then saves the president in one of probably the best action sequences in this movie. Very dramatic. Because it actually looked like an action sequence and not that computer generated. Yeah. Um, the day is saved at the end. Aldrich is blowed up. Uh, Tony decides that he has gotten through his PTSD, I guess. He's all better. He solved it through punching. <laughs> like doing everything, everything else. else. Uh, he's... He saves uh, saves the day, gets Pepper treated for the extremist because he's Tony Stark and he's super smart. Yep. And uh, just he gets, buy that. It's fine. And he gets the electromagnet removed from his chest. He helps out yeah. the little uh, autistic boy from Jurassic World as well by giving him lots of money that his mom's going to sell for uh, for meth, meth. probably. Yeah. yeah that's going to be meth money. That's meth money. Not once. <laughs> yeah. So it lo- it look by all accounts it looks like he's retired. Yeah. You see, he throws done, his thing in the ocean. He's done being Iron Man. Drives away. He's and, done. And then he then we'll cut to the end. It turns out he's retelling this whole story to Dr. Bruce Banner, who mm-hmm. had fallen asleep. And it's funny. First five minutes. It's a good substitute for the audience. All right, so production notes. Yay! Yay. Um, so as we know, we got a couple new people added to the Marvel Universe here. We had uh, Guy Pierce, star of Memento, Memento. <laughs> which Kevin was... <laughs> He's going to write this on his body, isn't he? He's going to write this on his body. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was star of Memento, uh, The Time Machine, L.A. Confidential, any numerous amounts of like great movies. He's like one of those. Oh, he was also in the King's Speech. He played uh, Edward the Eighth or whatever, whatever Edward he was at that point. But he, he, he was. He's just like a really great actor who shows up and things. You're like, oh, Guy Pierce. Why does he show up in better and more better things? <laughs> um, you also have Rebecca Hall as Dr. Maya Hansen. Um, we've talked about it before. She was in Vicky Cristina Barcelona, also in The Town. Uh, she was in The Prestige too as well uh also another christopher nolan movie so there you go kevin yeah see yeah uh and then of course you have the best casting which is uh sir ben kingsley as the mandarin yeah or, or trevor slattery i believe his name is yeah as seen in you know the dictator <laughs> the dictator uh shutter island <laughs> oh you're just naming up ben... <laughs> ben kingsley movies I always get, you know, it's, I don't confuse them because I know the difference between the two, but I always get him confused with the F. Murray Abraham movies. Ah. Because they get somebody like, no, that's an F. Murray Abraham movie. I'm like, really? 13 Ghosts? That wasn't Ben Kingsley? <laughs> no. Species. Yeah, Species. <laughs> Amadeus. 
probably something good. I don't know. He's probably been in some good movies. Did he win the Academy Award for Gandhi? I don't remember off the top of my head. I believe he did. I don't know. Did. I know Gandhi won, yeah. but I don't know. If... I think he won Best, best I'll Actor. I'll say yes. Yeah, that... I'll say yes. I mean, we... if, he, if he didn't, he was robbed. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sir Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin. Uh, all three of them, of course, were in negotiations to play. Interesting fact on uh, Rebecca Hall was that part was originally supposed to go to Jessica Chastain. Uh, she had to ah. drop out for some reason or another, and that went to Rebecca Hall, which I like Rebecca Hall. She just doesn't show up in a lot of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. when she does show up, you're like, oh, she's a really good actress. And then, you know. She's only in, I think, four scenes in this movie. So, yeah. I mean, she, she isn't given a lot to do. And then she gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> she gets shot. Well, since now that they cast uh, half the leads of Vicky Cristina Barcelona in Marvel films, I am really just waiting for Penelope Cruz to get her part. Yes. Yeah. Which would be funny because my wife absolutely hates Penelope Cruz. Mine too. Why do women hate her? Um, because she's beautiful. <laughs> is, is it that <laughs> simple? Yeah, that simple on that. Um, I also like Javier Bardem to randomly show up in a Marvel movie. He's overdue. Friend. We're overdue for some Bardem. Friendo. <laughs> you call it. I mean, I, I don't even know who. I would like to see Javier Bardem just, you know play background character number six in a marvel movie yeah that man can act the shit out of any part <laughs> um so the movie was the biggest biggest change was that favreau this is the first iron man movie not directed by favreau this was actually directed by and written by shane black uh who's this is only his second second directing credit mm-hmm. after kiss kiss bang bang a phenomenal movie probably a lot the, of fun probably the single-handedly brought back Robert Downey Jr. into the public limelight. It's holy crap, this guy can actually act. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it was his big comeback. Of course, that was Iron Man. But Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was just excellently written it's and fun movie. performed. There's a yeah. lot of a lot of proto Iron Man in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I think they I think Iron Man might have actually been out before Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, if I'm not a hundred percent sure, but like mm-hmm. there's a lot of the crossover at that point. Yeah. Uh, I would highly recommend, if you have not seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, go out and rent it. Uh, or to get it from Netflix. Who rents movies anymore? I know, yeah. Uh, also, Stop off at Family Video. Go yeah. ahead and pick that up <laughs> on VHS. Yeah. You can uh, you can go go to go Redbox. Do they have them at Redboxes? I'd say probably do. <laughs> That'd be really funny if you go to a, like, you're like, they're not going to, holy crap, they do have it on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just pulling up the... Uh, where's that? Okay, there we go. I'm just pulling up Shane Black's filmography real quick. The writer of some of the best movies of the 1980s, we already said Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did not like write Lethal Weapon 3. He's just credited for it. Uh, but he did do The Last Boy Scout and Monster Squad. Wow. Uh, the Last Boy Scout, very underrated action movie. Of, yeah, you know, Bruce the, Willis. Yes, I would... Very much give it a second chance. If you don't have remember watching it since like seeing it on Cinemax in 1995, <laughs> uh, I would definitely check it out again. He also did The Last Action Hero, The Long Kiss Goodnight, which is funny because that starred Samuel L. Jackson, a.k.a. Nick Fury. Yeah. And Gina Davis, who's also not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yet. I believe The Long Kiss Goodnight was actually like had the record in Hollywood of having the highest... Like the the screenplay like went for record amounts of money on that one. Huh. I think it was like sold for like a couple million at that point. It was like ridiculous the bidding war for that one. And if, uh, then he did uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That was the other yeah uh, the other one he did. Great director. So cut his teeth in a lot of lot of traditional kind of action movies. Um, he wrote the template for a lot of traditional yeah. action movies of the nineteen eighties and nineties. Yeah, no, that's true. 
And but and buddy comedies. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that zippiness and sort of the outlandish characters and big reactions. Yeah. The uh, I yeah he created he single handedly created the buddy cop genre. Well, well wrote the, what what before Lethal Weapon could you say was was buddy cop? I would have to look at the timeline. What about like? Uh, I mean, comedy wise, yeah, it probably was was one of the funnier. Was well, Lethal Weapon was eighty seven. Yeah. I mean, so what? I don't know. We'll have to think about it. I mean, maybe Red Heat with Belushi and uh, Schwarzenegger. Uh huh. Maybe I don't know what year that came out. Uh, Forty Eight Hours was eighty two. <sighs> yeah, that was the one that I was thinking of, but I wasn't sure of when it came out. Yeah, maybe I'm and, wrong. And of course, another Forty Eight Hours. But I mean, that doesn't mean that he didn't. I mean, Lethal Weapon really had a. It was its own thing. It, I mean, yeah. That is the one that I, I do. Th- I mean, even if he didn't do the first one, I mean, he definitely came in and, and took it to a level that. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, he wrote that first one. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, you meant the you know, other buddy cop movies. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I we're spending a lot of time on Shane Black, but you got to re- realize that this is just like a it, it was like almost as uh, inspirational a choice to direct this movie as getting Favreau to direct the original one. Uh, you know, we, we give it crap because it's the third one in the series and, you know, by the t- you're hitting diminishing returns by this point, but yeah, it definitely did breathe some life into it, I think. Yeah. And it's not really fair to think of it as like that he, on some level directorially, you'd think kind of he's an unknown, untested in yeah. the director's chair, really. But I mean, we're talking about these credits. I mean, yeah, he's not an unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, he's pretty set on a lot of ways yeah. in Hollywood. Um, so yeah, this, this movie went into production shortly after Iron Man 2 and Avengers. There was some issues because Paramount still technically owned the distribution rights for Iron Man because Paramount was the one who had it. This, this movie came out right after the Disney deal when Disney bought Marvel. Okay. So, and of course, Disney's their own distribution company because they're a film company first. Uh, they, they got into kind of like, this is kind of the start of the wheeling and dealing in the Marvel Universe, where it starts becoming very, very corporate in a lot of ways. Sure. Not that it already wasn't, but where now Disney's like, well, we own all of these, we own all the Marvel characters because we bought Marvel. We're going to try and get these back into the fold. Yeah. So you start seeing these deals with Paramount. I believe they paid Paramount $115 million for the distribution rights for Iron Man. Hmm. So Paramount had to do nothing at this point. They just made $115 million without having to do anything. I, bl- I think uh, Iron Man and Avengers, w- Iron Man three and Avengers were part of the deal hmm. on that whole part, um, and they actually upped the budget of the movie. It was originally at one hundred and fifty million. They upped it to two hundred million. And said do whatever you want. So they basically gave Shane Black a blink check to basically do whatever they want, and you see it on screen. It's actually a very very pretty movie, and it's very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that's about it. I got a production notes. <laughs> Great way to end the segment. Yeah, I think that's about it. So let's get your impressions. What do you think of the movie? 
Well, um, aside from it was long. It was long. It was probably too long. I, I, I feel like, you know, I say that a lot, and I think I do say that a lot with not just these movies, but a lot of movies in as, general. As we get older, we're just like, God, just, take a half hour out of this movie. still happening? Why do they keep giving Christopher Nolan movies? But I didn't really start to feel it until we got to sort of the big climax, and it just kind of kept going. And I was, I was, I was ready to, for it to be done. You know, writing's on the wall at that point. Let's let's bang this out, get it done. Um, I thought it was fun. I mean, it, it, you know, having just seen it for the first time, haven't been able to really think about it. So these are all just knee-jerk kind of reactions to it. But um, I liked it fine. It's it sort of when we watched Iron Man 2, I we both remembered it being, being way worse than it yeah. was. And then we saw it and we were like, okay, this is fine. This is a fun movie. Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've seen this one a couple times now. I I think it, it it's great. I think it's a little two-dimensional. Like, I, I like the idea of Tony having the PTSD, uh, trying to give him that element to it. But it just seemed like, like, they, it, if they really wanted to focus on Tony, they really should have focused on Tony instead of having all these outside, like, external influences. Like, the, the villain being this... Yeah. external thing. I th- I think they they there was a missed opportunity there and I feel like what they were trying to do was was say because it, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that all of these sort of recruited lava hands people were all I don't know if they were all but a lot of yeah. them were former soldiers and all injured in combat. Right. And they yeah. were all clearly you know we didn't really get to spend any time and find out but the the the, the assumption is that they had some sort of their own um, PTSD or their own um, issues that they were kind of dealing with um, not well. They were not dealing with them well. And yeah. I think the implication was that, you know, Tony has some relation to that. He went through essentially a war. Yeah. Um, the movies leading up to and then including Avengers. So I, I think they were trying to draw that parallel, but I wonder that it's by making it a little cartoony and a little simplistic, and then it's just like we were saying, like, he's just better. Yeah, he's better. He's better now because he won. And it just, it again, it makes it a little two-dimensional to say that you can just, yeah. you're fine. There you was, just have to punch your way out of it. Yeah, there was no, like, personal <laughs> sacrifice or something that got him through what he was going no he didn't it didn't even there were no real consequences he didn't even lose pepper because she had the lava hands too and so (laughs) now she's fine everything worked out beautifully for him which i don't i mean is fine is it's a comic book movie but if you're going to start tackling sort of these larger issues yeah and and then the movie's just going to get quippy i again i think it was just a little bit yeah i mean i think i think that was like the only that was well not the only major issue but that's like the one of the major issues with the movie was they had this opportunity to really explore tony stark do something with him he's quippy and he's the fun guy in avengers that's why you have movies like avengers so he could be two-dimensional he could be the guy that runs around and shoots things and be the tech guy of the of of your dungeons and dragons party (laughs) you know and you can have a standalone movie where he's actually trying to explore who he is you know we can learn something about you know what does this uh uh what did what did he go through that had to how did that affect him 
You know, and it, you could still have an external villain, but it, when it becomes lethal weapon, yeah, even with the bad guy from Die Hard Two as the president of the United States, I mean, I don't know how much more symbolic you can get. Well, and even lethal weapon over four films never really got at the heart of like mel gibson being yeah you know suicidal and reckless and a little bit insane like yeah they i mean it was it was played for laughs yeah which probably was not a great idea it was the well, 80s it, no it, one cared yeah, but 1987 who cared <laughs> everyone in hollywood was so they were just sleeping on a mountain of coke yeah that made that made they were not making know, art house films no. that dealt with things no they were they just thought it was funny because mel gibson could act crazy yeah have mel gibson act crazy and put some jazz saxophone into your rock score and you're fine <laughs> that's all you had to do no, I, I I feel like that was a a, a misstep on it. Uh, I did like that they gave Rhodey kind of a, a beefier part in this one. Yeah, he's he's come into that role for sure. Yeah, like he he's playing a, a good part. I like as we said, is it, when it came down to that final act, and all of a sudden it became a buddy cop movie. We're like, this is great. We this should, entire movie should have been this. Yeah, well, and he's funny too because you know that character is what they would have they they originally wanted iron man to be it's like you've got to turn over to technology we want you to be this sort of representation of this thing so they have i think that's their way of getting around that where like the the army isn't harassing tony stark because they have they have war machine iron patriot they have him i mean sure they still steel panther i'm sure they would still love for him to 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 come into the fold but they know he's not going to and yeah They'll they'll let it go for the sake of the movie. And I think uh, one of my bigger issues, and you brought this up too, uh, and I was going to talk about this on the podcast, and I but you brought it up while watching the movie is, where's Captain America? Where's Thor? Where's Shield yeah. throughout this entire thing? That's where's going on? Shield? I mean, th- yeah. Uh, once you've introduced that, the standalone films start to make a lot less, less sense. sense. Exactly. And, well, I don't want to get ahead because I th- I think they do address that a little bit, maybe in a future movies where they're a little bit more present but yeah you gotta wonder what the what they were up to yeah it was that's kind of where like you can't have a connected this is part this is part of where the marvel um the marvel method kind of falls apart and i know this is you know uh one of your complaints about the storytelling aspects of the comic book movie like marvel universe is doing is that you can't introduce the shared world without having consequences of the shared world on the universe. Um, it's, I always think back to when September 11th happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did the comic book universe deal with that? Marvel Universe takes place mainly in New York. How were they coming to deal with that? How could you have an event such as 9-11 be a, a, affect the, the comic book world when you have a world full of superheroes, right? You know that sort of thing going on right there. You know how how are you going to be able to explain in the universe that a plane hit a tower when you have someone like uh, Thor that could fly around and, and stop it? Yeah, you know. That, so that it's kind of l- not exactly like that, but that's kind of what it is. Is like how can you have a United States where the Mandarin is having all these terrorist attacks without having Shield up their asses? Yeah. Shield, as we've seen from everything that they've done so far in the TV show, is does that exist yet? It might not exist yet. But... I believe actually, Agents of Shield debuted after Iron Man three. Okay, um, but it was be- but yeah, but they're go- but they end up Iron- going yeah. after you know some of the dumbest stuff. Nothing on the level 
of what we see in this movie. It's like just you're gonna go, you're gonna got all this technology. You're gonna track him down. And you're gonna punch him in the face, and then he's gonna stop. That's yeah. Th- that's where the the consequences start to become. Where it has to be alien space whales who are coming in and you've got to blow them up with a nuclear weapon like that's yeah. the the kind of stakes that you have well, to not have e- not even that it's it could just be addressed by them saying like where's shield at and finding the mandarin they can't find him either sir done yeah it's like but you're ignoring this whole fact they mentioned the shield they mentioned shield briefly even when he's trying to figure out when he figures out the Tennessee thing and he yeah. says he's got all of the intel from shield and the FBI yeah, that, and yeah, CIA yeah, yeah. and it maybe that's the way way of kind of bringing them to that level of like well we know the FBI and CIA aren't going to be useful here maybe shield well yeah I mean but even them together but even that it's like you, you don't even have either him. way we know better yeah. I mean there's there's a couple of other actual superheroes out there running around that could do something about this. Yeah, I mean, well, technically, I think the only one who'd really be able to do anything would be Captain America at that point, because Thor's in Asgard. Thor left. Yeah. And, and then the other two just shoot, and yeah, then the got, Hulk is the Hulk. And who, you know, yeah, you can't really have him do anything. Do, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, but we see him. He's in the movie. He's, he's, at he's the end, in the movie. That's but he true. Can't, he can't help with anything. No. No. He's not that kind of doctor. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's part of... With a shared universe, you have to have the consequences of a shared universe. And the comic books do that very well. They're able to really handle that because, like, if you needed to bring in Captain America for a page of a Marvel comic, you could do that. It's allowed. Yeah. You know, they... But for a movie, it's a whole other thing. Right. You, you gotta know? you gotta pay Chris Evans to come in and do some shooting, and you, you can't just put a Chris up. Evans mask on anyone because we learned from Back to the Future Part Two, you'll just get sued. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 an issue with it. But aside from that, what what are some things that you liked? Is there anything that you liked on it? I thought it was a fairly simplistic, very fun little movie. Um, I laughed a few times, so that was good. It had a, a, a good amount of levity to it. You were surprised by the turn. I did. I was surprised by the Mandarin reveal, having not seen it. Yeah. I did not actually see that coming, so that was kind of yeah. nice. If that was uh, was foreshadowed at all, uh, I missed it. No, not at all. I, I liked it a lot, too. Um, I But I, I think that, in reality, all those girls that were at the Mandarin's mansion would have been topless if it was, you know... Yeah, yeah. This, is, this was right. And a lot, like a pile of cocaine. Just... Yeah. just it would make Tony Montana's look like an anthill. I mean, really, just like that's what it would be on top of. It was very delightfully 80s. It was. In a lot of ways. All the like graffiti on the walls. Yeah. You know, it looked like something out of the class of Newcomb High or <laughs> The Substitute. You know, so Tom very, Berenger movie. Very 80s action movie vibe. Not surprising. Yeah. So what grade would you give uh, Iron Man 3? Well, I don't remember what I gave Iron Man 2, so that's okay. I think you gave um, it like a C plus or a B minus. Like, I, I, we were at a different grading scale, right, then, but it was right around it there. Yeah. 
I feel like I, I, I gave that movie maybe three and a half stars, maybe seven stars, or three stars, maybe six stars. So, uh, whatever that correlates to. Yeah, like a six, like a, that would be like a, like a. I'm gonna give this movie a B minus. B minus. Uh you're being a little bit more generous than me for a change. Yeah. I would give it like a C plus. Okay. I I enjoy Shane Black's writing, and I think that's what keeps it out of like the low C area, D mm-hmm. area. Um, I just felt it was kind of my expectations were pretty low, and yeah. so I think maybe that's why I, I they were they were they were surpassed, and so I'll go ahead. Yeah, and... I just I just feel like it was a. Uh... It was so inconsequential yeah. that it was just kind of like, why did we even do this movie? Well, for it to be, if we are thinking, and, and the fact that Marvel is doing three of each of their their kind of flagship yeah. movies, or, or that's the plan to do three yeah. Iron Man, three Thors, three Captain Americas, three Avengers, all of that, and then you, you, you do want there to be kind of a... Yeah, you want it to be a little tidy, and you want it to be a finale of sorts. I mean, and it definitely had that. It cleaned up a couple loose ends, I guess, with the but, arc reactor and everything like that. Yeah, but that was all. I mean, that was just tacked on. I yeah, mean, it was just right at the end. So this was a probably would have been a better two. Yeah, exact. Thank you. <laughs> I I think that this definitely would have been a way better two. It just, as I say, it felt there was the weight to it. No, nothing. It just kind of felt like meh. Yeah, it's there. It was some quippy writing, and that was the fun part about it. Um, it was about as close to a full-on comedy as you're going to get in the Marvel universe, probably. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, yeah. It, it's I I I have a feeling, and I'm uh, I'm going to talk about this in the next segment. So I'm just going to hold on to this one. So uh, okay, yeah, all right. Um, so I'm, we'll just go to the next segment. <laughs> Normally we would do the uh, the, the recasting the movie in, in time, but we'll do that at the next segment. I want to talk about this one just because this is specifically for Marvel Phase 2, and uh, I just wanted to give a little bit of a preview for this. So we're going to be jumping out of the timeline here, people, when we're talking about this, is that Phase 2 of Marvel is all about how to put Marvel films into genres. <laughs> um, yeah. We, we talked about it a lot in this one that this is a buddy cop movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Thor the Dark World which we're going to be reviewing next is Total Sword and Sorcery that's what that one's designed around Captain America 2 The Winter Soldier is spy thriller Guardians of the Galaxy is space opera sci-fi mm-hmm. that's what phase 2 is all about so and we're going to be I'm going to and the next few movies that we do with this I, we're going to have this little segment here where I'm going to ask did it work with this genre did Iron Man 3 work within the buddy cop genre I think so, because I, I, I think comparing it to Lethal Weapon, I mean, there was a lot of those movies where it was it was the idea was just like, what are these two guys going to get into now? Yeah, exactly. You know? And how are they going to get out of this one? And that's a little bit what this was. Yeah, I, I think I don't think they really knew that going into it, that they were going to do this. But mm, I think probably not. That's what it just became. Yeah. Like, 
especially in the last like two <laughs> the last acts half of the movie. hour of yeah the movie. The, well the last two <laughs> acts of the movie it becomes a buddy cop movie before then it's yeah. kind of this self-examination of tony's this like sullivan's travels where he's going like across like <laughs> the, the depression era bible belt you know meeting strange people uh-huh you know you have that part and i'm like okay that's what this is and all of a sudden it turns into like all of a sudden you hear the saxophone in the background like you know like roadie Rhodes saying i'm too old for this shit you know you know as the toilet explodes the background yeah exactly yeah but i i think what I think they should have started the whole they should that should have been the whole movie. I think if they did it as a buddy cop movie throughout the entire thing, it it would have been much better. I I, that's just I think me. it I think it worked for the most part. It, it, given accepting that it probably was not the plan. No, I, it wasn't. I think it I think it worked okay. I, it's it's like, a fun. It was a fun little movie. I think Shane Black like through writing the movie just said, "Ah, let's just make it." I'm just gonna do what I'm good at. <laughs> I'm just gonna write what I'm good at, exactly. Uh, and that's so that's why I kind of want to just keep that in mind. Is like, okay. did it work in the genre that okay. it's was supposed to be at, uh, as all Phase Two movies are supposed to be. Right, recast time. We're also gonna do something special for Phase Two. Okay, what are we because, gonna do? Because ninety percent of all of the movies in Phase Two are sequels, we are going to set all of the se- all of the sequels. We're gonna. Okay, I just want to make sure I was recording there for a second. Yeah. We're gonna cast them all in a very specific time period, which we have not actually done yet. Okay. So all of them: Thor, Captain America, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Iron Man are all gonna be done. In the early 90s, 1993 to be precise. Well, I'm just saying 1993, but it doesn't have to necessarily be 1993. Okay. So every movie is going to be recast as if the movie came out in the early 90s. Okay. So you could figure Iron Man 3 was 93, Thor 2 is going to be 94, you know? Okay. <laughs> we could do it that way sure. if you want. So we're actually, we originally did Iron Man in the 1970s with uh, me. I did the cast of Smokey and the Bandit. I believe right. <laughs> I, I believe Kevin did his as a, a Paul Newman uh, race yeah. car movie. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Like we like to do. But this one is going to be the early 90s. Okay. So uh, I know that I'm going to give you a few seconds just to think about this. All uh, right. So uh, I will go first with my initial casting. Uh-huh. But uh, I'm going to pause it real quick and then give you a second to think about it. Okay. All right. We're back. So we're going to recast the movie in the 90s. Now, you got to remember something, too, is that once you cast this movie, you can't use any of the cast members as anything else in the other movies. Right. So, like, if you put Anthony Edwards as Tony Stark, you can't have <laughs> Anthony Edwards in anywhere else in the movie. Fair enough. All right. I'm going to let you go first. All right. So my Iron Man is, is it's not a very creative pick, but I think it's the best, hands down, the best pick that you can have for this era and I put down uh, Tom Cruise. Me too. That's, That's where I was yeah. thinking. That's where my head was at. I worried he might be a little young. And but Mom. given where he's gone, especially with 
you know, I mean, we're we're only a couple years away at that point from the first Mission Impossible movie. I think that was well, '96. I so. mean, I mean, like at this time in the early '90s, he's doing. Uh, um, you can't handle the truth. Um, wait, what is that? Oh, yeah, few good men. Few good men. Ninety three did the firm. The firm, far and away. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually leads S- to my pepper pots. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which is Nicole Kidman. Sure. Yeah. Cause yeah. It's like you got to have like the super tall kind of redhead to be the pepper pots. And that's 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 prime Nicole Kidman. That's before she had her face Botoxed to nobody's business. <laughs> I still, in a lot of ways, have kind of a crush on Nicole Kidman, but. I but always, it's old school Nicole it's, Kidman. It's like 1992, 1993, Far and Away, Nic- Nicole Kidman. God, that movie's so terrible. <laughs> I don't know why I always go <laughs> to Far and Away when I think about that. But oh, did you have someone for Pepper? Um, Nicole Kidman's a really good pick. Um, I don't know, maybe Michelle Pfeiffer? Michelle Pfeiffer's another one I was thinking yeah. of at that time. Um, she's hot off Batman Returns, mm-hmm. uh, pre-Wolf though <laughs> pre-wolf <laughs> um also, this, is, this is pre-wolf pfeiffer <laughs> just to be clear also uh pre uh dangerous um dangerous minds the uh-huh. Pokemon, which i believe was like that was like 98 97 yeah we were yeah it was like i yeah. was in high school yeah well so was michelle pfeiffer in that movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go yeah nicole kidman is my is my pick for pepper pots okay uh did you have anyone for aldrich killian um let's go val kilmer yeah see that's what i was thinking because i think i think he was playing val kilmer a little bit in that movie it's the hair yeah um i actually went with uh with um uh john cusack oh that'd be fun yeah that's that was my pick i could see that yeah yeah uh definitely my i think i think he could pull it he's got that kind of nerdy kind of like almost anti-tom cruise at that point like they were still leading men but in every way that Tom Cruise was the handsome leading man, John Cusack was kind of this like everyman schlub. Yeah, who did they, it. they tried numerous times. Like I could see, uh, I I would enjoy seeing the the John Cusack screen tests for Iron Man, and I would enjoy seeing him <laughs> not get it, and then him just getting cast in this in this villain as yeah, a villain in yeah. this sequel. Yeah. Did you did you have anyone else? Did you have Maya or uh, anyone else? In the no, movie? I didn't get that far. But uh, were you were you thinking director? Uh, I I did have someone in mind for director, but I did have a Happy Hogan. I always got to oh. cast a Happy Hogan. Curtis Armstrong, aka Booger from Revenge of the Nerds, <laughs> who also co-starred with Tom Cruise in um, Risky Business as his best friend. Nice. Uh, I just uh, Curtis Armstrong is like one of the most underrated actors of all time. Like you can look at his pedigree is, is, is acting pedigree from the eighties and nineties. You're like, crap. How come this guy never took off? <laughs> Still always known as booger from, from a uh, booger from, from the Revenge of from the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Uh, who's your director? Uh, Tony Scott, Tony Scott. Yeah, that's a good one. That'd be fun. Yeah. That's a, uh, what was he doing around that time? He did, um, uh, true romance. That true day. romance. Uh, that, that day. That, that day. day. That one day that he shot yeah. the movie. No, that year. Yeah, true romance. Yeah. So we we wouldn't have. He would have had to have tabled that one. Yeah. That, but that's okay. A lot of that, you know, for this movie in particular, you know, we got to cast a Mandarin. That's who we got to cast. Oh yeah, that's true. So who's yeah. the Ben Kingsley of 1993 besides Ben, ben Kingsley? Kingsley. <laughs> I just gonna go Abraham. Ben Kingsley. 
I'm going to go F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> okay. To continue with my joke the from other earlier. Ben Kingsley. The other Ben Kingsley. Yeah, we're just going to leave that one alone. <laughs> That's like trying to recast Odin when yeah. we did that. It was like, we're just going to, he's in, immortal. You're just going to use Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be funny when we do Thor next time and we have to recast it in the 90s. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is pretty much. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Which is actually, I was kind of thinking about that after I said this because I was thinking of like, oh man, who could you get to play, you know, Tony Stark in 1993? Oh, Robert Downey Jr. was not doing too much back then. He just did Chaplin. <laughs> okay, Gwyneth Paltrow. She did Hook, I believe, in 92. So we could put her in there as Pepper Potts. There you go. Yeah, not, not really acting Not that as much, fun, yeah, though, no, no, to, to recast. Fun. Just leave it the just same. Just everyone's way. younger. Just <laughs> way younger. <laughs> uh, so who's going to be Ultron in our movie? James Spader. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's not really far like long enough ago. It was ago. 20 years ago, though. No, <laughs> that's the sad thing about it. Yeah, it was over 20 years ago. It's just that's how old Robert Downey Jr. is in this movie. Um, but yeah, the, uh, my director was James Cameron. I figure if you're gonna have anyone, oh yeah, I think he sure. just did T2 at this time. He he would come in and do sequels. Yeah. This was pre-term... It was like right around when Terminator 2 was at least in production, I think. Yeah, I think it was 92, right? 91? I think it was out already. I think it was 91. It was T2, so yeah. yeah. And True Lies had yet to come out, because I think True Lies came out in 95 or 96. Yeah, I'm going to go 95. But I always think about... I don't know, off the top of my head. When I think about like the pinnacle of action movies of the 90s, like True Lies, just like how True Lies was done... Was, it, True Lies is like one of the most perfect movies, in my opinion. I, it, it's, oh, yeah. It's sad to say, but like out of all of James Cameron's movies that everyone loves, True Lies is one of my favorites. Oh, I'll work Paxson in somewhere. I'm not <laughs> sure where, but Paxson's going to show up in the 90s Marvel universe. <laughs> He's there. I don't know where yet. You know what they say, the vet gets some wet. <laughs> what a spy pee himself. <laughs> God, Tom lo- Arnold just shaking his head. No, <laughs> no, no, we would not. No. <laughs> we got to put Tom Arnold somewhere. In oh this yeah, Tom. Tom Arnold play Thor. Odin sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where's Jane? Where's she at? Chicks can't keep control of them, huh? Right, right. Odin sleep. <laughs> God, what happened to Tom Arnold? I love that man so much. Oh. God, there's so many great people that you could pull from the 90s, though. Randy yeah. Quaid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even knowing where they end up, uh, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine, because it's the early 90s. <laughs> this is a hellish time. We didn't know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is anyone else? No, that's about All right, so just any final thoughts on this movie? Oh, I don't know. That was exhausting. It really was. That's a marathon of a movie to watch. Uh, uh, not nearly as bad as, as I was expecting, so I'll take it. <laughs> every every time you get one of those movies, you'll take it. Yeah. On there. All right. So uh, go to planetarbitrary.com for all your planet arbitrary needs. You can follow me on Twitter at planetarbitrary. You can follow Kevin at... 
At K White says, like our Facebook page backslash Planet Arbitrary. Also, like our alternative podcast. We have Play On, the podcast about video games, which you can also find on this feed. And you can find Game On, which is located at Game Classy Podcast. Uh, Game Classy is all about tabletop board games. Uh, Game Classy also has a YouTube page, which puts up our uh, game Cl- uh, Comic Book Logic podcast up on there. So you can listen to it on YouTube if you want. And there's also Our Game Classy, which is our Reddit page. It's mostly about tabletop gaming, but I'll post pretty much anything I find fun on there. Mm-hmm. Um, such as uh, John Barenthal being cast as the Punisher in the next season of Daredevil. Yeah, that should be exciting. Yes, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure out if we're gonna do the TV shows, at least some something in relation to the TV shows with this podcast. There's a big black spider on my floor, <laughs> and I don't want to lose it. Did did uh, Tony Stark shoot it out of his, out of his oh, spider God, guns? Spider guns. <laughs> All right. I think it's a brown recluse. <laughs> So, uh, Kevin, until next time. Spider guns! Comic. Full. Flagship.